thank you for the leadership team, pastor, and all the people for allowing me uh, to become a 10-minute speaker one more time. So uh, today, on my heart about like dominion, as well as our standing in front of God. So <clears throat> let us look at the scripture, John chapter 16, verse 22. So this happens like just before Jesus is going to get arrested, just before that, he is telling his disciples, these are the things which is going to happen. And he is telling, therefore, you, have, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Now, this is very important about what he is saying about your joy, no one is able to take it away from you. Previously, like, uh, if we see uh, before Jesus getting resurrected, when all the disciples were preaching the gospel, and when the moment Jesus got arrested, these all disciples went. They were running. They were running for their life. They were afraid. But something changed. Like, after Jesus getting resurrected, now these are the same folks who were running after their life. They were afraid. Something changed where, like, now they are, like, again going ahead. The kingdom, the rulers were telling, don't preach, don't take this name, Jesus' name. But they were like, no, we are going to speak. They are going to, uh, the rulers are saying, if you do this, we are going to kill you. They are saying that, kill me, no matter whatever happens. Now, still, we are going to preach this gospel. What exactly happened over there? Before, before resurrection of Christ, these are the same people who were hiding. But after resurrection, what exactly thing happened? If we see, if we, uh, see in the Old Testament, the high priest used to go into the, uh, in front of the ark. And they used to go once in a year to offer the sacrifice. That was a blood sacrifice. Now, if you see in John chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark and saw that the stone has been taken away from the tomb. And down the few verse ahead, on 17th verse, it says, she saw Jesus and Jesus is telling her, do not cling to me, for I have not ascended yet to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. Over here, Jesus was knowing exactly what he was talking about. This same disciple, they were not able to call God as my father. It was, it was big sin. Like, even when Jesus was saying that this is my father, all the Pharisees were saying that, no, what you are saying is like, it's hypocritical, it is wrong, it is nonsense. But now Jesus is telling to Mary Magdalene, go and tell the disciple that it's not only my father, I am going to my father, but it's also your father. It's my God and it's also your God. So over here, Jesus knew, like previously in Old Testament, how the people used to go ahead in front of God is like they used to give the name Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shama. They used to never able to call God as my father. Even there are big, big prophets, prophet Elijah, prophet like Moses and uh, Samuel. They were never able to call God as my father. But now Jesus is telling, go and tell, go and tell my brethren. It's not just my father, it's your father as well. Your father is my God as well as it's your God. And this, this exactly changed. We call like the joy of the Lord is our strength. This joy is something different. It's not about like just the happiness, like, oh, something we got. This joy is like 
no matter whatever situation you are in no matter whatever circumstances you are in you are still able to call god as your father situations is going worse situations is like literally going terrible people are behind your life still you can call god as my father you are having that promise like yes i can go wherever i am in front of god like i no matter whatever situation is there i can go in front of god so this was the joy what jesus was talking about now one more thing i just wanted to uh, give illustrate it was about now in the same john chapter 20 verse 19 it says on the same day in the evening beginning the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the jews jesus came and stood in the midst and said peace be unto you now if we see if we read down the verse he was able to tell like now you can touch me now here is the thing friday for understanding friday he died sunday he rose again mary magdalene saw him she wanted to touch he said do not touch me i am yet to go on top i am yet to ascend now in the evening he is telling his disciple peace be unto you now you can touch now my question is where was jesus throughout the day morning he is telling do not touch me evening he is telling now you can touch me what happened throughout the throughout the day where was jesus where was he he was missing where, where, what was he doing and what exactly happened that now he can say that now you can touch me so we can see that answer in the book of hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 not with the blood of goat or calf but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all having obtained the eternal redemption so throughout the day he was in the heaven he was offering his blood sacrifice we know that the old testament is a replica of what is happening in the heaven so what was what god was showing was that yes you have to offer the blood sacrifice he now himself he went he offered his own blood the before before offering his blood he said do not touch me you cannot touch me i am yet to go now after he is offering the blood now the sacrifice the the price has been accepted the blood has been expected accepted now he is telling now you can touch me you are set free you are set free for one set for all so this was about like jesus telling yes the price has been paid off everything has been done if we look just before dying what he said in john chapter 12 verse 31 he said now is the judgment of this world now the ruler of the world will be casted out he never said like let us wait for the book of revelation then the ruler of the world will be casted out he said now n o w he said now is the time where the ruler of the world will be casted out if we look at the comparison before resurrection and after resurrection about the authority in luke chapter 4 verse 6 when satan was tempting jesus what satan said the devil said to him all this authority i give to you and their glory and for this has been delivered to me and i will give to whosoever i wish when the enemy was telling jesus jesus never said satan you are a liar you you are not telling truth jesus knew that was a fact he was having the authority the authority was given to adam and moment he seen it went to satan but now after resurrection the whole game changes what happens is that in matthew chapter 28 verse 18 after resurrection jesus is saying and jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth before resurrection jesus was quiet jesus did not say like oh you are talking lie but now afterwards he is having answer to that thing what satan said he is telling not only of the earth but all authority has been given 
to me of the heaven and of the earth. So as we are in Christ, the first thing is that like the sin barrier which was there of coming towards God, calling God as our father. Yes, it's our rightful, it's, it's our right right now because we are in Christ. We can call God as our father. And not only that, it's about like even having the authority. When, when we are in Christ, we have authority which is there in the kingdom of God. The last thing I wanted to speak about was, yes, in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, when Jesus resurrected, it's not just his disciples saw, more than 500 people saw. He was there present on earth for 40 days. It is said in book of Acts verse, chapter 1, verse 3, and his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proof that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now it's about like the, we have read earlier, now is the time of judgment. There was a kingdom of enemy which was ruling. Now, the moment Jesus died, he offered the sacrifice. The kingdom of darkness has been kicked out. It's wiped out. Now he's telling again and again, even after the resurrection, he was talking about like the kingdom of God. The one thing what is important over here is like, what was he talking about? The 40 days, he was talking about the kingdom of God. Before even Jesus came, what the John the Baptist was saying, now the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is near. It was all about the kingdom of God. Before Jesus dying, he was, he was teaching the disciples how to pray. He was telling, let the, uh, let the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom of God is very more important. That's the word like the ruler, the kingdom of darkness is wiped out because it's the kingdom of God. When you go and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed, it's not about something like you're just murmuring or you're just saying. It's about understanding that you are in Christ and not only you are in Christ, but you are having that authority, your kingdom, you are in his kingdom. Now, when we say to the sickness, sickness, get out from this body, we can expect this thing to happen. It's not about we are just hoping things to happen. It's our right. It's we are expecting because we are in the kingdom of God. There are many miracles which has happened. Why dead people can raise up? Why they're like the limb which is like cut? It can just suddenly extend. The miracles, why it can happen? It's about like in the natural, it is impossible. But in the kingdom of God, it is possible. In the kingdom of God, Satan is illegal. The sickness is illegal because you are in the kingdom of God. So the moment when you realize that, yes, you are in Christ and you are taking that power and authority and you are speaking in the name of Jesus, it has to happen. So that is what is the kingdom of God is all about. And it is like, it's your identity in Christ. The enemy will always try to attack your position. He will always say, look what you have done, what you have done. The moment we see what we have done, we will fall. But we have to look unto Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am going, I am offering. Now it, the price is paid. Now you can call my father as your father, my God as your God. So this is what I had to say. Let me pray. Father, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful day, Lord. Lord, help us to know more and more about you. Help us to walk into that understanding, Lord, about the power and authority. Thank you, Father, that you have already paid the price, Lord Jesus. Lord, let your light shine through us, Lord Jesus. Even, Lord, whatever circumstances, Lord Jesus, these people are having, I pray, Lord Jesus, Lord, let your light shine, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord Jesus, all the powers of darkness, Lord Jesus, Lord, let it be cut off, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, let your light, let your glory manifest through them, Lord. And not only them, Lord, but even the people around them, Lord, just get affected, Lord. Thank you, Father, for doing this. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen, amen.
That was power-packed. All right. How's everybody doing? Good. Laxman had, uh, he kind of took me into some of what I think I'm going to share on. I, I, as often happens, I wasn't sure what, I mean, I didn't come with any notes today because I didn't know what the Lord was saying. And I was leaning one way. I was going to tag team off of what Paul had because I just been, um, last week's message just really stirred some stuff up. And I think it is a, a, a now word that we need to understand. But as I sat down, I felt like the Lord kind of changed directions on me. And so I'm not, I don't have this plan. I'm just going to be telling you what I've been seeing. But I think this is important for us all to understand. If y'all have been here very long, you know that I, I don't ever want to be a pastor that shies away from speaking truth, even if it offends people. Okay? Um, and I don't ever want you to take what I say and say this is the gospel without you searching it for yourself and you hearing from God and reading it in the scriptures to be like the Bereans in the book of Acts, who when Paul preached, they went and searched the scriptures to see if these things were true. You know, it's, it's, there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. It's not pastors. You know, we have got to eat for ourselves. We've got to read in the word, dig in the word. We've got to have our own relationship with God, our own well that we've dug from spending time in the word, understanding God's heart. So, what I'm sharing with you today is something that I think I see. I think I see it clearly. But I encourage, if it challenges you, let it do that. Go back to the scriptures, see if I'm telling the truth or not. I used, I've done evangelism for years and years and years. And you know, one thing that it helped me with so much is you'd go out, you would talk to people on the streets, and you would hear some crazy stuff. If you know what it calls me to do? I can't tell you how many Saturdays I'd go home after spending time doing evangelism and I would get in the Word to find out what's the best way to answer this question. And it strengthened my own foundation. So it's good to be challenged, even if the challenge is false, it's good to challenge us. You follow me? Uh, Rick did something back in ministry school back 20-something years ago. When he, he, he said this from church, he was at church service, but he said he often would invite teachers in that he loved and respect but had a different opinion on things, and he would allow them to teach things that he disagreed with so that the people would be challenged and would go dig their own well. And I think that's so important. We've got to get our own well. But I want to talk to us about, I think where I'm heading today is I want to talk about where we're at in the world today through the eyes of Scripture, okay? How many recognize and can acknowledge that the world today looks drastically different than it did 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago? It's been an increasing change so dramatically and so drastically that if you've been alive for any time, you don't recognize the world that we live in. The world's a mess. Things that used to be common sense is now considered uh, heresy to say that a little boy is a little boy. A little girl is a little girl. Forgets, forget science that, you know, the people that preach, you got to follow the science, they don't follow the science. You got chromosomes. You're born with them, buddy. It tells you who you are. 
okay? These same people that push these things, why is it? And I'm, asking, I'm just asking some questions. Why is it that it seems like every big business is pushing an agenda that has nothing to do with their business? Why? Have anybody thought about that? Why is that? Why are they doing this? Why are coffee shops and big tech and, and big marketplace businesses pushing agendas that are, has nothing, it doesn't help them make money. It actually costs them huge amounts of money because they invest all this money in pushing agendas. They're backed by the LGBTQ community. Let me say up front, God loves homosexuals. He loves them. He hates homosexuality. And God loves adulterers, but he hates adultery. God is God. He is God. He's the creator. He created things the way he wanted them. And for us to rebel against that is to rebel against the one that we, our very breath is in his hands. You know, and when my kids, we started talking about sex and that kind of stuff, and I'm so thankful that I could, me and my kids, we have a very open relationship. My philosophy is if you're old enough to ask the question, you're old enough to get an honest answer. I have been very open with my kids from the get-go. When I began to discuss homosexuality with my kids, they said, that doesn't work. Ah, <laughs> you're right. It doesn't. And there are people who are struggling with homosexual that God loves and he is so compassionate towards. Okay? He is so compassionate towards all of us when we struggle with sin. But there's an other group of people that they're not concerned about struggling with it. They're giving themselves fully to it and they're encouraging others to do so as well and they're pushing it. Now, back in July 4th, uh, we happened to have, last year, we happened to have 4th of July on a Sunday morning, which I don't, I don't ever remember that happening. It certainly happened, hasn't happened when I was a preacher. And I didn't know what I was going to share on. I knew I wanted to talk about the, uh, I wanted to bless our country. But I got a download from the Lord, and I began to see the plan of the enemy, how he has, and I'm, I'm going to be throwing out shotgunning stuff. So you're going to have to go back and search some of these scriptures because I don't have time to go through them all. So if you're not familiar with the scriptures, uh, you may struggle with a little bit of this message because I don't have time to give the foundational depth that I want to do in what I'm saying. But we can help you with that afterwards if you're, if you, if you, if you're struggling. But in the scriptures, uh, in the, during the children of Israel's journey into, through the wilderness, Moab came at them and, wanted, and Moab hired a prophet that, that he wanted this prophet to curse Israel. And the prophet said, well, I can't curse them unless God curses them. I can only say what God says. And this was not an Israeli prophet. This was a, just a prophetic voice who did most of his prophesying through divination, which is interesting. And so he comes, and, he, and he's trying to get this guy to curse him. He says, I can't. And so he blesses Israel, and it makes the king of Moab angry. I pay, I'm, I'm trying to pay you and honor you to, do, to curse them, but you're blessing my enemies. And he says, well, I can only say what God wants me to say, but let me go back to God one more time. In his heart, and we've learned this through, it's, it's, it's in there. It's, it's, you have to dig a little bit, but you begin to find out that in his heart, he wanted the money so bad that he kept going to God, asking God. And he almost, got, he almost lost his life, but a donkey, if you all know the story, the donkey steered off when the angel of the Lord had come to kill him. But... 
he couldn't curse Israel. So what he decided to do, the only way I can help you and get this money is I can tell you what will make God mad at them and cause God to actually come against them. And so what he told them to do was to, okay, you, you need to send your women and begin to seduce the men and begin to have sexual relations with them and then get them into idolatry. Because now once you got the men's heart, once you kind of woo them over, you know, uh, then you can get them into idolatry, which they did, and it caused God to release a judgment against the nation. Phineas, in his zeal, uh, he was a descendant of Aaron, and I think he was Aaron's grandson, if I remember this correctly. In his zeal, he took a spear and when one of the Israelites, when God was sitting there speaking judgment on this stuff and telling them to stop doing this, he brings a, a Moabite woman right in the midst of all of them, like, I'll do what I want to do. And he goes right in his tent, and they're laying together, and Phineas goes in the tent and drives a spear through him, and God said, because of his zeal for me, and then he begins to tell him the promise over Phineas that God gave this man because he stood up for righteousness. So what's my point? My point is the enemy has known for a long time that God has blessed the United States. The people that, it's not been a perfect country because there is no perfect country. The scripture is very clear that when the Son of Man sowed the seed into a field, the enemy come and sowed tares. So don't give me stuff that pointing to why we're not a godly nation because even Jesus in his own parable said that his field had tares in it growing with the wheat. So that doesn't so seeing bad things doesn't mean that God did not have a plan for this nation but in God's wisdom he allowed the tares to grow up with the wheat. So having said that the way the enemy could get this country off track is if he can get us in sin and wickedness because then God would judge us. And he's done a good job of inch by inch by inch getting God removed from our country turning us over to wickedness, sinfulness, unrighteousness, so that God could no longer bless us because of his heart of justice. And so that has been the plan of the enemy. Now I want to point some things out to us. God, and I got time today, so <laughs> I'm going to try to build a case and, and go after this thing a little bit. And then I want to give you some scriptural oversight and then I want to kind of tie that together with where we're at in the world right now and what I believe God is doing. And I think this should give us hope that in the peril and the, and the difficulties that we're beginning to see, that we can have hope that God is at work. Okay? All right, so just some scriptures I'm going to throw out at you. We're going to turn there in a little bit, but just things to be thinking about. Uh, Genesis 11, Psalms 2, we're going to go to there in a minute. I um, just want to read this scripture because I think this is important. You have to understand this or you're not going to understand what I'm about to teach. In Acts 17, 26, um, I'll read this, New American Standard Version. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having deter determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Uh, and one of the Psalms, it says the Lord uh, established the, the nations and, and established their borders or struck their borders. One of the things that people don't understand is that God is for nations. 
Even at the end, when Jesus was telling the parable of the sheep and the goats, he was talking about nations. He said the sheep nations were the nations that took care of the poor, that they they did certain things that were in his heart. The the goat nations were the, the nations that didn't do those things. God is a God of nations. When God gave the children of Israel their land, he was very specific not to cross into certain borders because it had been given to uh, Esau's children, which is interesting. God provided for different nations. It was in his heart always that the, what did he tell Adam? And what did he tell Noah? Same thing. He told them both the same thing. Go and fill the earth. Spread out. Fill the earth and subdue it. Okay? Well, turn over to Genesis 11. God always had a heart for nations. He is a, biblically, if you believe the Bible, you have to understand that God is a a nationalist. (laughs) He is a nationalist. What does that mean? That means that he is for nations having their sovereign uh, control. He's for there being separate nations. Jesus is coming back for sheep nations. Not a global nation, but for sheep nations. He has boundaries that he has set for certain groups of people. And it was given to them for them to steward it. And so when we try to violate the fact that God has established nations, we're actually rebelling against God. So when we talk about people wanting to globalize the earth, we're actually talking about something that is very, very antichrist. It's, it's anti-God's heart. And if you don't understand that, and there's so much in here about that, then you can be suckered into a viewpoint that will take you down into death. Scripture says it's, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end of which is death. Satan comes to us as an angel of light. He doesn't come to us with pitchforks. He comes to us looking like truth, looking like righteousness, but it's deceptive. You follow me? He didn't just come and bring us something bad and say, ooh. No, he sneaks, he, he wraps something bad in what looks like something good. All right, so Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words, and it came about as they journeyed east that they found in the plain the land of, the land of Shinar and settled there. Okay, it's key that they settled there. This is after Noah. Noah was just, he came off the the ark and God told him to fill out, spread out through the earth. Okay, and so here they are settling. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And and they used bricks for stone and they used tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build for ourselves, for ourselves. You get the key there? For ourselves. What happened to doing stuff for the Lord? They're doing it for themselves. Let us build for ourselves a city, a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. What are they saying? Are we scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth? What is that about? It's about God in his desire. He's the creator. We live and breathe because of him. 
And he has a desire that man would spread out, and he was going to establish nations. That they could, and then he established Israel so that the, the nations could come to the light of the seed that was brought forth in Israel, and that's Christ himself. God raised up Israel so that Christ can come, so that Christ could be a light. The scripture says, a light to the nations. God's always had a heart for nations. But they didn't want that. They wanted to, they wanted to do it their way. And they didn't want to be scattered abroad. So the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. And they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. Babel means confusion. What's interesting to me, and I, this will tie in in a minute, but I just want to make this note, Babel in the Hebrew is the exact same word as Babylon. There's no difference. It's the same Hebrew word. But for some reason, it's translated Babel here, but in further on down the road, when the, when, when the kingdom of Babylon arose, they, they arose in the land of Shinar, same place they were, and they are called Babylon, but it's the same Hebrew word, Babel, confusion. Okay, This is going to be important. This is so important. So there was in this group of people, in their rebelling against God, and not obeying God and wanting to make a name for themselves and to build a tower which reached to heaven, which is their way of uh, having really a form of religion without God. Okay? And so in this rebellion, there's one thing that's very notable that even God himself pointed out was their unity. Isn't that interesting? There was a demonic unity that had, it's so weird, a demonic unity that caused this group of people to pull together and have the same agenda and fight for the same thing, to go after something with this demonic unity, but it actually was anti what God wanted. And he said because of their unity, nothing would be impossible for them. Unity is a powerful thing, whether for good or for bad. I'm going to tell you today that there is a demonic unity in the earth right now. It's called globalism. It's a one-world order mindset. It's, and we're going to talk about this and go deep. And I'm going to show you this in Scripture. It's, and so you can go and search it out. These people had a demonic unity. And let's look over. I've never preached this before. I've talked to people about it. I've talked to our prayer group about it some. I've never preached this before. Not from a pulpit. Not, not like this. And, and I wasn't even prepared to preach it today. I literally wasn't, had no idea I was even, this wasn't even in my mind until I sat down here earlier this morning and was like, oh, okay. But I want us to turn over to Psalms 2. And we're going to see in Psalms 2 another picture of this group of people. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying... And that word anointed means Messiah, just so you know. The Greek word for anointed is Messiah, which people, or, or, or another word for it is Christ. 
you look at it in the uh, Greek, when you read the New Testament, Jesus the Christ, in the Hebrew, it would mean Yahshua, you know, Jesus, got Yahweh saves, and then the Christ would be the anointed or the Messiah. So when you hear the word Messiah, it literally in the Hebrew just means he, he was anointed of God, which meant he was, they anointed the king for service. It had to do with having the Spirit of the Lord. It was a picture of the Spirit of the Lord resting on someone. And so Jesus is the anointed one. And, they, and it says that the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us tear their feathers apart and cast away their cords from us. We're not going to listen to godliness. We're not going to do what's right in God's sight. We're going to do what we want to do. Let's throw apart these rules and regulations. How dare somebody tell me I can't have sex with anybody I want to? How dare you tell me I can't live this way? Who are you and who is this God to put a control on my life? Even though the very breath I breathe came from him. I wouldn't even exist. Even in my rebellion, God's goodness causes the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. And his rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Even in their rebellion, God's goodness is over them to a degree. He who sits in the, and says, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. But I love this. Verse 4, he who sits in the heaven laughs and the Lord scoffs at them. That's good news. The Lord ain't worried about it. <laughs> he's watching and he's just getting a chuckle. Hey, look at these rebellious knuckleheads. They think they're going to get me. And old saying, he who laughs last, laughs best. God gets the last laugh. And he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain, and I will surely t tell the decree of the Lord. And he said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance. He didn't say, I will give the world. He didn't. He said the nations. God recognized individual nations, that they were His inheritance. And the very ends of the earth is your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O king, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son. One version says, bow down and kiss the Son, that he, he not become angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath may soon be kindled, and how blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Man, I want to take refuge in Him. All right, now, most of y'all are familiar with what I'm about to share. I'm not going to turn there. You can see it in the majority of the Gospels. Uh, this is where Lexi Man began to talk about the temptation of Jesus, but I want to point something out to you, and Lexi Man made this point, and this is so true. Satan appeared to Jesus, and one of the things that he says, he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth, all of them. He said, you see all the kingdoms of the world, I have authority over them all. If you bow down and worship me, I will give you all this, power, fame, fortune. Just bow down and do my bidding. And I'll give you all this. And as Lexi Man pointed out, Jesus didn't say, oh, you're a liar. You don't have all power. 
He didn't say that. He, he said, it is written. It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. He didn't say he was a liar. and that He was telling the truth in what he said. The Scripture says that the, power of the, wor- that the world is in the power of the evil one. Now, it is true what, he sells, what Lexi Man also says, that all authority now is legally Jesus's because as the Son of Man, he took back authority, but that authority has not been exercised yet fully. It is the, the legal right of it is done. It is finished. His word is forever settled in heaven. It has not been as totally settled yet, and it won't be totally settled until Jesus' return when he puts all his enemies underneath his feet, as the Scripture says. The last enemy being death. Okay, so there is a time coming where Jesus is going to come back and he's going to crush his enemies. He's not coming back as a, a meek, sacrificial lamb. He did that already. He made a way for all of us to seek refuge in the ark of his salvation, which is Christ on the cross and his resurrection. We can run to the ark and not perish. But when he comes back, he's coming back to rule the nations with a rod of iron. He's not coming back as some weak person who allowed the enemy to beat him again. Uh-uh. That he did that one time and one time only for the sake of the sins of all humanity. And that is finished. When he comes back, he's setting up his kingdom. And as we know in Daniel, that his kingdom would be established and it would strike all the other kingdoms and there would be no end to the increase of his government. His government is expanding even now. It's been expanding ever since 2,000 years ago when he went to the cross and he died and said it is finished. And then he rose again from the grave to have power over all death and hell and Satan and everything that's going on. He has all authority. His kingdom's growing and advancing and it will fill the earth. As the Lord said to Moses, he says, just as the water covers the sea, so shall my glory cover the earth. God's glory before the end is going to cover the whole earth. And it talks about in Isaiah 60 how the nations will stream to his light, to our light. It says, rise and shine, for the light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people. Sound familiar? But the glory shall appear on you and be in you. And the nations shall stream to your light. The nations are coming, but before it happens, we got to have a little, a little reckoning. So we see that Satan has authority to give to people who will bow down and worship him. And I want to suggest to you that this was not the only time Satan did that. I mean, really, do we really think that Satan only did this this one time, offered all the power that he had to men one time? No way. The rebellion you see in, in, in Psalms 2 that we just looked at where the kings were coming against the Lord and His anointed. These are not people who are unaware of what they're doing. These are people who've had Satan come to them and said, I will give you kingdoms. I will give you power if you bow down and do my bidding. And I want to tell you that the powers of the earth right now that are governing a lot of the things in the earth are people who knowingly made a covenant with Satan to do his bidding in order to establish Satan's authority and kingdom. Okay, that's, I believe that with all my heart. I believe the scripture is very clear that in the end days, which I think we're in, that this would be the case. Now, turn over with me until, to, jump to Revelations. We're going to dig into a few chapters, and I think I'll, it'll be able to tie this together. 
even more. Revelation 17. All right, so Revelation 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Okay, I can't tie all this stuff together, but that great harlot you see in the book of Zechariah. She was called sin and wickedness. There's a lot in that. I don't have time to go in it. I wish if I would have been better prepared, I could have done a, you know, point by point. But, uh, but this is the same thing that you see in the book of Zechariah. It's great harlot. With whom the kings of the earth commit acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. Think about that a minute. Drunk off of immorality. We see anything like that today? People dancing in the streets, gloating in their rebellion, gloating in their wickedness. No longer is it okay, no longer, you know, there was a time that even immoral men still would not accept the immorality that is rampant today. You know what I mean? I mean, there's been a, there's been a game changer. You know, there was, when I grew up, homosexuality was still taboo. You don't, there were people doing it, but it was doing it secretly for the most part. And, and now it's rampant. I mean, it's in your face. You know, it's like, this is what I'm going to do, and this is right. And there's even people that say they know God and know the, the, and they rebel against the very scriptures that is spoken and the very natural order of things, and they say God's okay with it. They're drunk in immorality. And it, interesting, it says the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of their immorality. See, you have to understand Revelation is a symbolic book in a lot of ways. Who are those who dwell on the earth? Well, I'm hoping that's none of you. This is what I mean. Rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. This is Revelation 12, I'm quoting. But woe to the earth into the sea, for the devil has been thrown down with great wrath, knowing his time is short. What does the scripture say, Colossians 3, that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places? We're not earth dwellers. We live here physically, but we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're with the Lord, we're one with him. Our mindset is not focused so much on the carnal things of this world, we're focused on heavenly things. We're not earth dwellers. You follow me? It's symbolic. Okay. So these earth dwellers are being drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of unclean things of her immorality. If, you write, if you're taking notes, you look at Zechariah 5. You'll see what I was talking about. And on her forehead, a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great. Y'all hear that? Babylon. This woman was mystery Babylon. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. She's the mother of it. That means that this harlot is what produces the abominations in the earth. Okay? She's responsible. Are we okay? Just want to make sure we're okay here. I know this is not a comfortable, always a comfortable message, but I think it's needed. So, guys, we, we're, let me just say this. We're in the time that you got to pick a side. 
Who are you going to serve? You got to pick a side. It's time. Well, there's no this, you know, trying to ride fences. The Lord said He would spew you out of His mouth if you're lukewarm. Behold, both the kindness and the severity of God, as Scripture says in Hebrews. We're immature if we can't see the reality of God's judgment and God's severity. And I'm going to show you some Scriptures. He's so loving and so kind, and He's the most, good, he's the most precious and good being in the universe. We wouldn't know goodness and love if it wasn't for Him. And that is all true, and we see that in the sacrifice that His Son made. But He didn't die for nothing, and He is coming back with the rod of iron that the Scripture talks about. So this Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth, and I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, Why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth, whose name have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will wonder when they see the beast that he was and is not and will, not, and will come. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains. Or you could say seven kingdoms, and it says it in a second. Seven mountains on which the woman sits. So this woman's authority is established through kingdoms. Sorry, I lost my place. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits. And there are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is. The other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. The beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven, and he goes to destruction. The ten horns which you saw are the ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they received authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one mind, or one purpose is another translation, but if you look at it in the Greek, when it says these have one purpose, that literally means mind. There's unity. There's a demonic unity going on back to the Tower of Babel. And they give their power and authority to the beast. They were established by Satan, and they released their authority back to Satan. And they're riding this beast. And these will wage war against the Lamb. All right, Psalms 2. Did we not just talk about that? These kings will wage war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And He said to me, The waters which you saw here... Where the harlot sits are people and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw and the beast. And it goes into all this stuff that's going to be happening. That, that there's going to be a turn on the harlot from some of the nations. And they're going to begin to, ter- begin to attack her. And it says that God has put this in their heart for a common purpose by giving the kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. The woman whom you saw was the great city. Remember they're building a city. Remember that? In in Genesis 11, they were building a tower or a city where they could settle, which reigns over the kings of the earth. There is a global cabal today that reigns over the kings of the earth. Most kings or presidents or leaders do not come to power without bowing down to the, the agenda. It's just what's going on in the earth. Can you explain it another way? Can you explain the craziness that we're seeing in the world while every corporation and every, there's an agenda, every school system, everything has the same agenda. Why? Right here, it tells us the kings of the earth, 
They've, they, they, the woman whom you saw was the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Um, if you read on, uh, talking about Babylon, in verse 2 of 18, it says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. I'm telling you that's true. The enemy is, this, Babylon is full of demons and the enemy. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the earth, have committed acts of immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. Do you see that? The merchants. Why would all these, why would all these, I'm gonna, okay guys, I'm going to do it. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. You know, stone me if you want to. Amazon, okay? It's a big one. Google, Facebook, Twitter, Starbucks. Uh-oh, I know I, I, I know I just stepped on a sacred cow there, but Starbucks. Mm. <laughs> Why are all these businesses pushing radical agendas? Radical. Men should be allowed to compete in women's sports. NCAA. ESPN just recently stopped the women's mad uh, uh, tournament is going on right now. They stopped it to have a moment of silence against a bill in Florida that the, the left has named the gay bill that has nothing to do with the gay bill. It has to do with parents having the right to know what's going on in their children that they take care of, that they can't have biological sex changes without consulting with the parents. That's what the bill is about. But they've said... They've, they, they, but they had a moment of silence because it passed in Florida. Yes. Now, they don't tell you what's in the bill. They just call it, uh, don't say gay bill. Like, they paint it as like, we're just, you know, we're a bunch of homophobic people that, you know, and we're just doing bills that are absolutely just hating. No, we're trying to make sure that these wicked people in our school systems who are counseling our kids behind our back, and there's case after case that are in court right now of this very thing. A, a girl who committed suicide recently because the school was counseling her and pressuring her to become a boy, and they didn't want the parents to find out, but when she committed suicide, the whole thing broke open in the story, and now they're in court. Because there is an agenda to push wickedness in the earth. The, the nations are drunk with this immorality. Why is this all of a sudden? And why are all the big corporations and everything behind this? It's right here. We're living it. We're living Revelation 17 and 18 and 19. Every unclean spirit's there. And the nations have drunk of the wine and the passion of her morality. And the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. These merchants get rich on selling sex. They pervert, they, they push pornography, they pr push sensuality, and, the, and, and don't get me wrong, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. Men need to have self-control, okay? I am not at all given a license for men not to have self-control, but they push things that cause men to stumble, and then they want to say, Me Too movement, and say, well, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing this, and you shouldn't be, and, they, and you shouldn't be. But if they really cared about that, they would stop promoting sexual immorality, pornography, women are walking around in bathing suits the way that they do that cause men to stumble. If you really care, stop doing this stuff. 
But they don't care. They don't care. It's good for, for men to stumble and fall. It's why if you're a man, you can pick up your phone and you can have text messages sent to you from you don't know where and you click on the link and the next thing you're at, you're at a porn, you're in a porn site and a hook just got in you. It's evil. This is what the enemy did in Israel when he caught, when he, when the, when Balaam, son of Beor, counseled the Moabites how to get the Israelites in sin so God would have to judge them. He couldn't curse them. The only thing he could do was get them in sin. I love Rob McMillan's statement, and I'm going to say it now. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. (laughs) I'm trying, guys. Thank you. It is the truth. It is the truth, guys. Wake up. I heard another voice in heaven. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back even as she has paid and give back to her double according to her deeds in the cup which she has mixed, mixed twice as much for her. To the degree that she has glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree give her torment and mourning, for she says in her heart, I sit as queen and I am not, and I am not a widow and I will never see mourning. That's the attitude of these leaders right now that are involved, these kings of the earth that... Uh, you know, Klaus Schwab and, and George Soros and Bill Gates and a lot of these guys that are using their money to push wicked agendas. You know, the pedophilia that's going on in the earth. It's all purposeful. It's a, it's a plan. I know you probably didn't think you were getting this at church today, but just ask yourself, Lord, why am I here today? Maybe the Lord wanted you to hear something. For in this reason, in one day her plagues will come, and pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for the Lord who judges her is strong. And the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensuously with her will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of the torment, saying, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their cargoes anymore." I'm going to tell you something. I, I had the Lord speak to me, I think, two falls ago. And you, you do with it. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm telling you what I felt like the Lord told me and how he confirmed it to me. But I, had, I was sitting on my couch, and I felt like the Lord said to me, stop buying from Amazon and start supporting small business. So I canceled my membership. A few months later, I start questioning, did I really hear God? And I'm on my bed praying, because I mean, I'm sorry, Amazon, that's a great product to be able to just go on there, you got cheap prices to deliver to your door, everything's easy, it's the cheapest prices around, to, to not use them as a sacrifice. Not much of one, it's not like I'm on a cross, but I mean, it's, a, it's, it's you know, it's, I got to pay more, I got to be willing to wait more, it's harder to find things. And I was laying in my bed. I was like, Lord, is this really you? And I looked up, and somebody had put a box on my chair that sits beside the wife's side of the bed. I was in there by myself praying. And I just looked up, didn't even know the box was in there. And it says, small business in big letters. And, I, and that was a confirmation to me. That's all I needed because that wasn't, had been in my room. So I'm like, okay, Lord. So I, I, do, I go out of my way to try to support small business, even paying a lot more money. 
Let's put my money where my mouth is. You know, I mean, if, if, if there's people dying for the gospel right now, can I, not put, can I not suffer a little bit and go out of my way to support a business that, that might be helping a mama and a pop and not this big conglomerate who's bought onto the global agenda? So the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality live sensually with her, weep, lament. The merchants were uh, weep and mourn because no one buys their cargo. And it goes through the list of all the stuff that they were selling. And here's something very interesting, and I encourage you to look this up from all this. Judge, I mean, check it, take it back to, the, to your own study and, and see. It goes through a list of stuff that, I mean, normal things that people buy. But the last two items listed in this translation, it says slaves and human lives are the last two things that it was selling. But I want you to, it's even worse than this, actually. This is like watered down. You look it up in the Greek. That word slaves there is not slaves. It's not slaves at all. The next one, when it says human lives, that's, what, that's the slavery. That's the souls of humans. It's, it's the, the last one that they're selling. The word slave is translated slave here. If you look it up and you do an Englishman search, is where you punch in you know, a Greek uh, in the Strong's Concordance, you can look and see where a word is used and how it's used throughout the Bible. This word, I think... Every time is translated bodies. So there is a cell of bodies that the kings of the earth were getting rich on. And I'm going to tell you something that's hard to hear, but it's reality. It's been coming out out of China, but it's, China's not the only culprit here. There are people who literally are in slavery, and when someone needs a heart because their heart's failing, this billionaire pays them and they kill the person, take the heart, and they send it to them so they can have a heart transplant, kidney transplant, kidney transplant. There's been whistleblowers coming out of China, but this goes on all over the earth. People that are, you know, the dissidents in the different countries, they, they get taken away and you never see them again. Well, they're, they're just being held till they need their healthy organs and they're gone. There's been doctors that have come out and said it and then killed themselves because they were involved in this stuff. This is a real thing. You got sex slavery going on. Kids that have never seen a freedom in their life. They were born into it, and they're just passed from along. From, and they're little boys and little girls because there's a homosexual slavery that is just as intense. And these kids, a lot of these kids grow up, and somehow they get free, and then they come back and talk about it. This is going on. This is what these kings of the earth are getting rich off this harlot with. And it's serious, guys. And then you, and then you could also look at the, the sale of the baby parts, the, you know, the aborted babies. They're selling these, these parts. You know, uh, Project Veritas came out with those hidden, hidden uh, cameras situations where they caught the head of uh, Planned Parenthood a number of years ago. I think it's probably 2014 or something, somewhere in there selling baby parts, these aborted babies, big business, they're pushing for it because they're getting rich off of it. And when they're caught, Kamala Harris was the attorney general of California, and rather than prosecuting the heads of, the, of Planned Parenthood who, are, who have broken law because it's against the law to sell baby parts of aborted babies, rather than prosecuting her... They, she prosecuted Project Veritas. This is your so-called VP right now. And this is a fact. You can go search this out. I'm not making this up. 
she prosecuted Project Veritas for exposing Planned Parenthood for, getting, for making billions of dollars a year while receiving money from our government to do so so that they can push abortion while their pockets get thicker. John the Baptist called out Herod when he was, had his brother's wife. Don't tell me the church shouldn't be involved in this stuff. If the church don't stand up and speak the truth about this, who's going to? We're, Jesus said we are the light of the world. Light dispels darkness. We have got, the Scripture says to speak the truth in love. If we don't stand up as the church of Jesus Christ and tell the truth about what's going on in the world, what are, the Scripture says if the foundations are destroyed, what shall the righteous do? If we don't preach the truth and, and, and establish the foundations and keep them from being destroyed, what will we do? If the foundations are destroyed, what shall the righteous do? The enemy is trying to destroy it right now. Here's another one that I think we need to understand. I'm running out of time, so... <laughs> um, read these chapters. Um, I'm not going to go through it. There is a judgment that God begins to pronounce over Babylon. I want just to point to this thing. Um, there is a judgment coming. And it says in verse 23, And the light of the lamp will not shine in you any longer. Talking about the harlot, the Babylon, mystery Babylon. The voice of the bridegroom, the bride will not be heard in you any longer. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. Merchants, the great men of the earth. Guys, I'm telling you that there is a group of people, billionaires, and tr billionaires, multi-billionaires that meet with an agenda on how to see Satan's plans released in the earth. And they own politicians, they own actors, they own, they, they've gotten their tentacles on every mountain. The seven mountain mandates, this is what the harlot, you're talking about the mountains, that's where the harlot was sitting, we just read it. She sit on seven mountains. She sits on the seven mountains. She's gotten her tentacles in everything, like a mafia. If she, if she can't get a judge, she'll get the judge's kids. And there'll be a pressure point. And while all of a sudden does a righteous, what seems to be a righteous judge who did right all his life, gets to the Supreme Court and always switch gears. Why? Pressure. Pressure. Put a knife on you. I got dirt on you or I got dirt on your family or I'm, a, or I'm threatened to kill you. We're living in a wicked world. But man, we got good news coming. It really is going to get good. The merchants were the great men of the earth because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. That word sorcery is pharmakia. It could be translated witchcraft. Witchcraft is real. You know, the people in Africa, they'll tell you witchcraft's real. They've seen stuff happen. There's, why is it? This is all you need to understand. Okay, I'm, please don't shout out if you disagree with this. That's fine. It's your opinion. But I'm, I got the mic, so... Um, when Donald Trump was elected president for the first time probably in history, I, in all my lifetime, I've never seen this, where witches came out in the open, scheduled a night to curse the president on the same night all across the country and the world. Witches came out in a covenant to curse President Trump. Why? If this guy wasn't sin of God... Why were they cursing him? Why, uh, Jesus said, 
When, when, the, when the Pharisees accused him of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, he says, can a kingdom divided against itself stand? If Satan casts out Satan, then he has no, he has no kingdom. So if the, the, the witches and the warlocks are out here who are under the, the, the power of the evil one are cursing this guy, what does that tell you? Wake up! God had anointed this man, not because he was a perfect man, not because he was a good man, but because of his own purpose. Witches were cursing him. And it says that these merchants were the great men of the earth, and then referencing back to the harlot, because all the nations were deceived by their witchcraft. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. Now, here's, here's the good news. And I'll wrap this up. At the end of 2020 elections, when they were over, I began to see the number 51 over and over and over. Every time I would turn around, it staring me in the face. I'd wake up at something 51. It was 51, 51, 51. I'd come to pray for our country, and I'd look up at the clock, and it would be 51. I began to ask the Lord, what is this 51? And the Lord showed me. He's Jeremiah 51. So write that chapter down, Jeremiah 51. Go research this. If Babylon is a representation of what Revelation says it is about a spiritual, a spiritual Babylon, a harlot that has got a global one-world community going on between the kings of the earth and the merchants, which this clearly spells out that it does. There's a power at work behind the scenes that's this harlot, representative of this harlot, which is Babylon, where the kings of the earth are getting rich off her, her, her deeds, and the merchants are getting rich, and all this. So here's this harlot, and, in, and, and it's represented by Mystery Babylon, according to Revelation 17. And so we see in Jeremiah... 51, that God begins to pronounce judgment over her. And the whole chapter is about God judging Babylon. Now, I want you to know that that's not just about what God did with Babylon back in the days of Daniel. That was true, but it was speaking to us today. Now, I want to read six more verses. This is Revelations 19. Please go Put this together. Read Jeremiah 51. Read all this. Search this out. Now, after these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. So there's rejoicing going on. Why? Because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. What was she doing? Corrupting the earth with her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. Jeremiah 51.25 is a cross-reference. I got it written down here. You're welcome to go look it up. And a second time they said, Hallelujah! They're, they're praising God. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. So number three, that's the third Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God. Praise the Lord. All you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of the mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God Almighty reigns. 
In six verses, there's four hallelujahs going on because of judgment coming on the harlot. We're going to rejoice when God begins to judge this harlot. The reason I was seeing Jeremiah 51 was because the Lord was being encouraging me. We are not lost. God is at work. He is judging this global cabal. He is doing it. He's doing it. So what, does it, what do we need to do? We need to wake up, realize what's going on. There is a global agenda. It's an antichrist spirit. I would ask you to think, even to, to, to interpret what you see in the world through this understanding. Glenn Beck has a book called The Great Reset. That's a good book. I haven't read the whole thing. I've started reading it, but I've heard him talk. I think there's some good stuff in it. I can't, I can't totally say the whole book's fantastic because I haven't read it yet, but I, I appreciate what he's doing to expose stuff. He puts a lot of stuff together. And there's a lot going on that if we don't understand it, we're not going to be prepared how to handle it if we misinterpret what's going on. Let me tell you just a few pointers to how to deal with what's going on in the world. If it's coming from a news source, it's probably a lie. Pretty much right off the bat. If, if, and, and both Republicans and Democrats, there's just as many... I'm going to be honest with you. I have more... I have more how do I say this? God loves all men. He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So I'm not against people, but I'm more disappointed and, sh- and shocked by the depth of corruption in the Republican side because they act one way, but they really are snakes and, sh- and sh- you know, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Didn't Jesus warn us about some wolves in sheep's clothing? Democrats, you know what they believe. They have a platform. They believe in gay, gay rights and pushing homosexual. They believe in abortion. They believe in all this stuff that's so big government ruling your life, you know. They believe in certain things. Well, and then you got conservatives over here that say that they're for small government and freedom of the people, and they believe in school choice, and they believe in, um, you know, we, that, that marriage is between a man and a woman, and they believe that abortion is wrong, and they say all the right things, but behind the, the doors, they're, they're, making, they're all on the same team. They're all on the same team. The whole Republican-Democrat thing, it's theater. There's two types of people today. You gotta, you're either for Antichrist or you're for Jesus Christ. And so it's hard in these times because everything they're showing you on the news is propaganda. It's trying to push a narrative to force the world to go along with what they want. And so when all of these people like Mitt Romney and Liz Cheney and, and, uh, and Pelosi and, and Biden and Obama, and, and I could go on the whole list of people, both on the right and the left, they all of a sudden, they're calling one thing one way, and the news media is all pushing this one agenda in a particular war. What does that tell you right away? I'm just saying, if these guys are liars, and we've proven that they are, and they don't tell the truth, these prophets of Baal, and they push propaganda, and they're pushing something that we just got over. All of a sudden, this election year and COVID restrictions are re- relaxing, and so now we got to push a war. I'm praying for the Ukrainian people because they're in the middle of this, and they're innocent, and I pray for them. And you know, revival's taking place in Ukraine. The, there's people coming to the Lord. God doesn't waste mileage, so I'm, I'm thankful that God's doing an amazing thing with the people of Ukraine. But, but I am not, I'm interpreting everything I see through this Jeremiah 51 and through all this. God is judging this stuff. 
and I'm not buying into anything the news media tells me. I've already proven they're liars. I remember being at the pizza, CC's Pizza years and years ago, right after Trump gave a speech, and I listened to what he said live. And I go into the, the pizza place, and I'm sitting there, and CNN is on, and they've literally doctored the speech. And I wouldn't have known any better, and it made him say something that he didn't say. And I heard the live speech, and I went back to make sure that I was right. To, to, and I checked, I found the live speech, and sure enough, they, they, they doctored it. And that goes on the right and the left. I mean, I'm not, this is not, but my point is, is you can't believe what you see. You need discernment. You don't need to jump to emotional reactions because there will be false flags. There will be things that are done to sway public opinion to get us in agreement with certain things. But here's the good news. We can pray, just like these, like it says in Revelations 19, hallelujah, Lord, judge this wickedness. Judge this wickedness. This is important. This is so important. You're about to see things in the earth you've never seen before, and me too. You're about to see things. There's only one safe place for any of us in the shelter of the Most High. Are you getting closer to Jesus? Are you pressing in to know Him? And if all this stuff causes all our little shiny things to fall down and we find ourselves in a world we didn't recognize, but it causes us to cling to Jesus like we never have, then let it come, Lord Jesus. Bring it. I want to cling to him. I want to know him. And if this is what it takes for, to let everything fall away from our lives so that we begin to live for that which is worthy of living for, then let it come. Let it come. We're going to see some hard time. The world is seeing hard time. But be prepared. Be in the shelter of the Most High and know that the end is written before the beginning took place. God's going to win. His kingdom is going to be established. He is judging these wicked men. And I am praying for their judgment because the Bible tells us to. Judge this wicked cabal. These wicked men who make deals with the devil to try to corrupt these children. Think about that. You're corrupting. What did Jesus say about stumbling blocks? He said it would be better that you would not even be born than cause one of my little ones to stumble. We, we think that because of what Jesus did, God is not serious about sin. He's such a, he, God has such a justice inside of him that he can't change. It's who he is. He is a just God that he had to allow his son to be crucified in order to satisfy, to appease the justice of God for forgiving us of our sins. He hates sin. Because he's good to us sinners, let us not think that's a license to sin. It's not. He's good to us. Let us get free from these sins that so easily entangle us. We pray on Mondays at 6.30 for our nation. We're praying for the reversal of this uh, stolen election. We're praying for the world. We're praying for our nation. We're praying for God's kingdom to come. And we're doing this, and we're not going to stop doing this until we see it happen. And we can keep it up until Jesus comes back, for all I care, because that's, that's important. So I encourage you guys to be awake, to not be suckered into the news media. If you're watching news media, you need to find out what news media you're listening to because um, there's a few out there that are good. But if it's mainstream, it's, even Fox News is a joke. It's a joke. You got to look at who owns them. Go look at who owns them and where the money flows. You start looking at that, you'll start seeing what's behind some of this stuff.
And so I wasn't going to preach on this. <laughs> I was going to talk about seeing Jesus. <laughs> but uh, I think this is important, and I do think the Holy Spirit led me to this. So let it wake us up, get us awake, that we can pray like we've never prayed, believe like we never believed, and open our eyes up and not be gullible in what we're watching and seeing, that we're believing into a narrative that's, it's, this is all written. It's here. We're watching it play out. So, Lord, I'm asking for help. I don't even know where to go from here, Lord, but I do pray that you would help us to, to be awake, to not be asleep, to not be blinded to the plans, your plan and the plans of the enemy. We wouldn't be unaware of the schemes of the enemy, Lord God, and that you would help us to know how to pray and how to stand and how to speak the truth in love to not be um, caught off guard and that we too would not be dwelling in Babylon. Lord, you told your people to come out of her. And I think that is the, the call right now. Come out of Babylon. Come out of this immorality. Come out of this stuff. Stop riding the fence. Stop thinking it's okay to live in sin when you're in walk with God. It's not. If any man claims to be in Christ, let him walk as Christ himself walked. It's one thing to struggle with something. It's another thing to stop struggling with it. Lord, help us come out that we not taste of her judgments. Lord, show us where to even put our money. It's your money. It's not ours. We've been bought with a price, Lord. Show us how to use our money as even a weapon. Teach us, Lord, how to pay prices worthy of being paid, Lord. And Lord, give us wisdom and discernment in these times when nothing's, nothing that's, nothing's, we don't know what's real and what's fake. Lord, help us. We need you. We need you, Lord. We need you in these times. We need you. Help us, Lord. If you guys want to pray with us on Monday nights, please do. We meet here at 630. We've been doing this for a year and a half now, and it's important what we're doing. It's making a difference.